So I went on a missions trip in uh, summer of 2015 uh, with Salt Company, actually. I was just coming on Salt Company staff, and uh, a trip much like, actually, a, a chunk of our Salt Company students will be going on this summer for a couple months. I went to China, and something happened that I wasn't expecting to happen. God lit a fire in my heart for prayer. And there's a handful of reasons why. One, I was in a country where I didn't understand anything I was reading or anything that people were saying. And so I've had a lot of just quiet moments in my head and found myself praying a lot. I brought some books with me on prayer. That was challenging. But the biggest reason that God lit the fire was because I was around other believers who were so excited to pray. It was everything to them. If, if a, a problem came up, they prayed. If a decision needed to be made, the knee-jerk reaction was to pray. It was pray first and do everything else second. They had a, um, like a, you don't talk about a night of prayer. They did an all-nighter. Or it was like, uh, I don't know if it was like 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. or something like that, 12 hours or something. And they brought their sleeping bags like it was Christmas morning. They were so excited to get in front of the Lord in prayer. And I was so challenged because I was around people who didn't see prayer as an obligation, but they saw it as a delight. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you have the same heart towards prayer? Is it a delight to you? Is it something you look forward to? Do you pray? Uh, let me ask, uh, for those of you that are members of Salt Church, I'll ask a humbling question. If everyone at Salt Church prayed like you prayed, what would our prayer culture look like in this church? As we kick off the new year, like Paul said, we're in the middle of a two-part mini-series, hearing from God and now speaking to God. Uh, last week, Paul talked about God's word. If you haven't listened to last week's message, I would encourage you to do so. Super helpful. Uh, but this morning, we are going to talk about prayer. Because you have to understand that prayer goes against everything our culture values right now. Our, our culture loves uh, fast pace, efficient. It loves the noise and the clatter. It loves microwaves and drive-throughs and, and vending machines. It wants, it wants things fast and now. And prayer is the opposite of all of it. It's, it's an, an active fight to be a person of prayer in our culture today. But I'm telling you, if, if we become a church that prioritizes prayer, it changes everything. And I want you to hear from E.M. Bounds and Richard Foster right now, a couple of godly saints that I've learned from. Listen to what they have to say about this. E.M. Bounds says, The gospel moves with slow and timid pace when the saints are not at their prayers early and late and long. He goes on to say, the effectual, fervent prayer has been the mightiest weapon of God's mightiest soldiers. I love that. Richard Foster says this, all who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. For those explorers in the, the frontiers of faith, prayer was no little habit tacked onto the periphery of their lives. It was their lives. For these and all those who have braved the depths of the inner interior life, to breathe was to pray. This morning, we're going to talk about prayer, and my hope is that God would spark a fire in your heart and hopefully a wildfire among this church that doesn't burn out until Jesus comes back. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 6 this morning. We're going to talk about the, the famous Lord's Prayer, and I gave you a couple quotes already. Fair warning, I'm going to give you a lot of quotes today from a lot of uh, godly saints that I've learned from. Don't feel like you got to write them all down. Just soak them in. I've learned a lot over about prayer over the years, excited to share it with you. But the main thing that we're going to hear from today, obviously, is God's word. And so uh, before we get into the text, a uh, little context 
Uh, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount here. We're going to start in verse 5, but everything that's happened up to this point is Jesus has been talking about what righteous living looks like, and now he's going to talk about the dangers of religious hypocrisy. Uh, he has three topics in mind. He talks about giving, prayer, and fasting. So we're just going to hit the middle one. Uh, he starts off in the first four verses talking about giving. He says, don't be proud and announce to everyone how much you're giving, right? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just, just give humbly and in secret and in front of the Lord. And he's going to continue that flow of thought right into prayer. So let me read our passage for us. Verse 5, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. And here it is, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you, get, if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Last week, Paul hit, you know, kind of, why, what, when, where, how of, of God's word. I want to do the same type of thing with prayer this morning. We're going to talk about why, how, when, where, and what. But I want to start with why. And this isn't necessarily in our text, but I feel like we need to build a foundation. If we don't understand why prayer is important, everything I talk about this morning will fall on its face. So why is prayer important? Let's start with the first one, the easy one. What's the, the first word of our passage? <laughs> Whenever or when, when you pray. It's not if you pray. Jesus assumed that his followers would be people of prayer. So one, because Jesus tells us to, but two, because Jesus prayed. Prayer was, was a pillar for Jesus in his ministry. If you read throughout the gospels, Luke 6, 12, right before choosing the disciples, he went out and prayed Oftentimes, he would withdraw to pray, like Mark 6, 46. And then, obviously, you've got the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' most intense prayer before the Lord, before he goes to the cross in Matthew 26. Listen to Andrew Murray and, and Curtis Mitchell on what they have to say. Andrew Murray says, God, or Christ's life and work, his suffering and death, it was all prayer, all dependence on God, trust in God, receiving from God, and surrender to God. And then Curtis Mitchell says, Christ's disciples did not need to be told that prayer is important. They saw how important it was to their Lord. So we pray because Jesus prayed. But then thirdly, I'd say this. This is important, guys. Prayer causes things to happen. If you look in the Bible, go to the New Testament, women and men of faith in the Bible prayed as if their prayers would make a difference. And I think you have to answer this question personally. Do you believe that prayer causes things to happen? We have examples in scripture. I mean, read the book of Acts. It's all over, but you have to decide. Because I, I think if you, if you don't believe that's true, I don't think there's going to be a, a lot of motivation for, for prayer. But if you do believe in that truth, again, it changes everything. Finally, I'd say this. Why do we pray? This is probably the most important. To commune with our heavenly father. We have a relationship with him. We want to communicate with the people that we love. 
So we delight in talking to him and thanking him and asking him for things. This, this is what makes prayer go from I have to to I want to. From like, like a, an obligation to a privilege and an opportunity. And the want only comes when we truly see it as a relationship with our Father. The prayer, guys, to us should feel like a, like a warm fire on a cold night. I love Ronald Rollhauser's definition of prayer. He says, prayer is just relaxing into God's goodness. I love that. That's why we pray. So there's just a handful of reasons. We could talk for a while there, but I want to get into the text and go, but practically, what is Jesus talking about? How, where, when, what? And, and to unpack this, let me give you, I think when he talks about how, I, I think he gives two things we shouldn't do and then one thing we should do when it comes to prayer. Let's talk about it. If you go to verses five through eight, I'll start with the, actually seven and eight. Don't, first thing you shouldn't do, don't babble like the idolaters. Now, what Jesus is not saying is don't have long prayers. What he is saying is look at, uh, if you're looking at people who babble on and on and, and think they'll be heard because of their words, he goes, those people are missing it. Don't pray like that. Your father knows everything that you need. I think there can be this Christian myth that the, the more words we use in prayer, the more likely it is that we're going to be heard. Think about this. Think about, think about the mother who, uh, who is a single mom, overwhelmed, and in a quiet moment pulls away from the noise of her kids and in her closet just goes, God, help me. Help me. That's powerful. She doesn't have to give God an update on everything that's going on. God knows what's going on. So she goes, help me. God knows your thoughts. He hears your prayers. No need to ramble. Now, should we be persistent in prayer? Absolutely. Luke 18, the persistent widow. Jesus honors that woman. So yes, be persistent in prayer. Should we have long prayers? For sure. If you go to the gospels, Luke 6, 12, Jesus prays all night. What Jesus is saying here, I think, is don't pray in mindless, vain repetitions, thinking it will be more effective. You don't get extra points for saying it more times or with bigger words. God already knows. Just share your heart with him. So don't babble like the idolaters. And now, now go back to verse 5. Another thing we shouldn't do, don't pray like the hypocrites. You see, back then, prayer was a pillar of Jewish piety, just like giving to the poor. And, and they, they do prayer morning, afternoon, and evening. And so people like the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of the day, would put on this pretentious display to get the attention of others and impress others. And these hypocrites would pray for the praise of others, and Jesus says, they've got their reward. And they will receive no reward from the Father in heaven. Why? Because they care way more what others think than what God thinks. Just is a good time to pause and look in the mirror and ask the question, when you pray, are you more concerned about what God thinks or what those around you who are watching, what they're thinking, the people who are listening? People, I believe, can pray outwardly, yet inwardly their heart is far from the Lord. They're just going through the motions. And Jesus is rebuking the person who is doing the right things with the wrong motives. That's important. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going after the heart, the internal motivation. That's what he cares about. We don't pray for the praise of others. We pray to commune with our Father. Prayer isn't a religious checklist or duty. It is the linchpin of the most important relationship we have. Now, I, I understand there can be a question that comes out of this. Well, should we not pray 
before meals or with others? Or what are we supposed to do here? Don't pray in public? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus prayed in public. In the Gospels, in the book of Acts, you see prayer all over the place. Public acts of prayer are valuable and honor. That's not what Jesus is honorable. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is don't proudly do in public what should humbly be done in secret. And that's what brings us to the thing we should do. Go to verse 6. Let me reread this one. Verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, he will reward you. Praying in secret should be an outward expression of an inward reality. We should want to be with God, whether people are watching us or not. So again, let's go to the mirror and ask the question, do you spend time with our Heavenly Father in secret? Do you pray with Him daily, weekly? Again, private prayer goes against everything in our American culture. It takes time. It's quiet. You're forced to slow down. And this is where I just want to get really practical and just speak into our culture as we talk about the topic of prayer and what this should look like potentially for some of us or some ideas, some options. Let's talk about when. So we've talked about why and how. When should we pray? And Paul talked about this last week, um, and I just want to affirm it. I think repetition is the key to learning. Let me say it again. For me, the best time for me to pray, structured prayer, is early in the morning. I remember Joel Vint, a mentor and friend of me, saying, uh, your last uninterrupted time is the early morning. And now that I, we've got kids, uh, I believe that. <laughs> it's true. It's 100% true. And I'm telling you, on top of that, I've seen godly men and women in my life who model prayer well. They're up at the crack of dawn. I remember when I was in high school, I would, um, you know, wake up, you know, start heading to the, to the bathroom. And as, you know, I, I was in the basement, and as I was heading to the bathroom, I, could, I looked to my right. And more often than not, as I'm just waking up, I'm looking at my dad at his desk with the Bible open, either reading or praying. He, he probably had already been up an hour, and I'm just like, just getting my bearings. And I'm telling you, my dad didn't come up with that on his own. He stole it from Jesus. Go to Mark 135 be on the screen. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, Jesus, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and he was praying there. That's Jesus. Let me go back to E.M. Bounds. Fair warning. E.M. Bounds, you read that guy, he swings a big stick, and sometimes he's pretty direct. I love it, so this is what he says. E.M. Bounds says, he who fritters away the early morning, its opportunity and freshness and other pursuits than seeking God will make poor headway seeking him the rest of the day. If God is not first in our thoughts and efforts in the morning, he will be in the last place the remainder of the day. Like that's helpful. There's value in the early morning. But you hear that and if you're like me, you go, yeah, but uh, I get tired and it is early and that's hard. And like Paul said last week, I believe getting up early has nothing to do with getting up early with everything to do with getting to bed a little bit earlier. And this is hard for me. This is a discipline I am still working on. Uh, I, man, this past week, uh, Casey and Asher, we went home for uh, Christmas break to Iowa, and they stayed a couple extra days, and so I had some nights of my own. I kind of got on a Star Wars kick. I watched the new Andor show, finished that, and then and I'm starting to watch some of the older movies too. And I, there was a moment last, I think, Wednesday night, when I was like just starting a movie and, and I hit pause. And as I'm thinking about this sermon, I'm thinking about getting up and praying the next morning. It's like, do I keep going on this? Because I want to I keep going. 
And guys, this is a celebration. I didn't. I actually went to bed. Um, last night, Casey and I, we stayed up a little later. So we're still working on it. It's like a goal for us. We want to continue to grow in this. But guys, I, I, for me, that's, that's where it's at. I prioritize it. I guard it with my life early morning. Now, for some of you, you hear that and you go, you understand, it's impossible for me to do early morning because of my job or because we've got kids or whatever it is. And I totally hear that. And I say, get creative. You know, find nap times, find lunch breaks right before you go to bed. Not everyone can do early morning, but we all have 24 hours in a day, and we all should be prioritizing prayer. Find a time, prioritize it. That's when. Now let's talk about where, and this is very much in our passage. Where do we go? Our private room. Private room, in a room, closet, spare bedroom where nobody is. The most humble place to be. There's no texts, emails, nobody looking that's where we encounter our living God. Now, that being said, it doesn't always have to be like a specific private room. I, I remember reading uh, Practice of the Presence of God. It's a book about Brother Lawrence. He's a, a monk and uh, was known for his prayer life. Well, what's interesting is the, it seemed like a good chunk of Brother Lawrence's prayers weren't actually like in the private room. It was while he was, he, he worked in the, the kitchen and, and most of his prayers were when he was just doing dishes, when he's just doing his job. It was said of Brother Lawrence, we find him worshiping more in his kitchen than in his cathedral. So for some of you, maybe your best time communing with the Lord is, is during your job when you got a quiet moment or you're making that drive or whatever it is. For, for others of you, you might go, I just need to redeem my car time. This was a powerful thing to me when I stopped listening to the radio. I just turned off the radio and I would just drive in silence, pray to the Lord. If I have an early morning meeting, like that's what I'll do is I'll, that Actually, a lot of times, just that first, first drive to work is, is usually spent in silence, just hearing from the Lord, talking to the Lord. Moms, maybe it is redeeming the nap times. That's something that Casey's trying to figure out right now. Find a quiet space. Ultimately, Jesus' desire is, to, is for us to find a place where we can block out everything and just be with him, our private room. That's where. Let's get to the, the, the big question, though. When you get to those quiet moments, that quiet place, you're in your secret place. Now what? What do you actually pray? And Jesus gives us a pretty good example to follow here in verses 9 through 13. I'm going to walk through it here just in just a second. But, but most of you probably know, uh, even if you're new to Christianity, uh, that this is called the Lord's Prayer. Um, and this is what Jesus taught his disciples to pray, uh, what to bring before the Father. I think the problem, uh, there's not a problem with the prayer. Jesus, oh wow, he's perfect. Don't hear that. I think the problem for us is um, that this prayer, there can be a, Tim Keller would call it a danger of familiarity, where we've just heard it over and over. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Like we just, we just hear it and it becomes super familiar, but everything we need is in this prayer. You, you go back to some of the spiritual giants, Augustine, Calvin, Luther, those guys, prayed the, the Lord's Prayer. It was, it was an anchor for them in their prayer life. So let's unpack it. it. There's six petitions in here. The first three are God-centered, and then the second three are man-centered. All right, so pay close attention. We're actually gonna pray this here in a little bit. So, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Quick observation. First word here is plural, our. So this passage shows us that there's value both in individual prayer and in corporate prayer. We're called to pray in our secret place, but we're also called to pray with one another. 
That's why we do things like night of prayer. That's why we pray sometimes in service. There's value in corporate prayer. But, but when we come together, we say, our Father, that's Abba in, in Aramaic. That was, that's a big deal, by the way. <laughs> to say our Father, big deal. For the Jewish people uh, in the Old Testament, they didn't refer to God as Father. It, it, it was Yahweh. Was, There's was different names. But to, to call him Father, that's a game changer. Because Father emanates authority, warmth, intimacy. We got a personal God who loves us and cares for us. Yes, he's sovereign and in control, but he's our loving father. He cares for his children. So our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. A lot of translations will say, hallowed be your name to, to make God's name holy. Now, God's name is already holy. You can't make his name more holy. But the call here is to say, petition, God, would your name be regarded as holy among the nations? In, in, in Gainesville, in, in the United States and beyond, would your name be honored as it already is, as it's already holy? Let your kingdom come. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. George Eldon Ladd says this, that, the, that God's kingdom is both now and not yet. When Jesus came to earth, he goes, the kingdom of God is at hand. But Jesus hasn't, coming back, hasn't come back yet the second time. So it hasn't fully been fulfilled. So it's now and not yet. And so our prayer is that God's kingdom would continue to break through in our world today. Pray that light would powerfully overtake the darkness of injustice, of poverty, of sin. Pray that Christ would reign in people's lives and that his message would be spread. Let your kingdom come and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer of surrender. We are to submit our lives to God. This is saying, God, if you will something different than what I want, I'm obedient. I'm in. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Proverbs 19, 21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So we pray that God's perfect will experienced in heaven would break into our world. So all of that is God-centered, all that first half. Now we get into man-centered, our, our daily needs. Give us today our daily bread. That word bread, Martin Luther would say, represents all we need in the physical realm. We all have troubles every day. So pray that the Lord would go before us. When I pray, give us this day our daily bread, I'll often just kind of pray through my day that's coming up, this meeting that's coming up, this sermon I'm about to teach, the prayer night tonight, all of those things. Lord, give me today my daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, this one's a little tricky. I, this doesn't mean that every, every time we pray this, that we're asking for God to save us again. That's not what he's saying. Uh, maybe a parallel would be in marriage. When I sin against Casey, that doesn't mean that we're now divorced. It means, no, no, there's brokenness in our relationship, and I need to go and ask for forgiveness. But our marriage is still intact. That covenantal marriage is still intact. The same thing is true with God. I'll give you two words briefly that I think will be helpful. Union and communion. When we sin against God, our union with Christ is solid. It is eternal. It's never going away. Jesus promised us, no one will snatch you out of my hand. Union with Christ. But when we sin against God, there's a communion with him that's broken. We grieve the Holy Spirit is what the Bible says. And so we need to come before the Lord, be specific, be authentic, be humble and share with him, confess with him and ask for forgiveness with God and then potentially with others if we've sinned against other people. And then as you are forgiven, 
Forgive those who sin against you, verse 14 and 15. Is there anyone in your life that you need to forgive? Anyone you're holding bitterness against? Even if you, if you didn't sin against them, but they sinned against you, we are called to forgive as God forgives us. I've heard it said that uh, forgiven people forgive people. Finally, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Trials, biblically, are a good thing. You go to James 1, and it says, yeah, trials help us become more like Jesus. They mature us. That's a good thing. Sin is not a good thing. <laughs> it's a bad thing. And so we pray that sin and temptation would not overtake us, that we would be delivered from the evil one. So that's the Lord's Prayer. This is what Jesus calls us to pray, both individually and corporately. So that's a lot, all right? <laughs> Come up for air here a little bit. There's a lot we talk about prayer. I just want to get super practical with you and just go, this is what I do. Steal whatever you find to be helpful. But over the last five to seven years of my life, this is kind of what my prayer life has looked like. Um, I typically uh, think of two categories of prayer. I think of structured prayer and spontaneous prayer. And when I, when I start my day, I start with a level of structured prayer. So I get up early in the morning and find, you know, we've lived in different houses, so the room has kind of changed. I now know what my new room is in this house that we've just settled into, spare bedroom. Uh, I go into that room, and I get on my knees, and I start to pray. There's no distractions. I'm not looking at my texts or emails. I want my first interaction of the day to be with the Lord and not with the onlooking world, right? So I pray. Well, what do you pray, Jordan? I pray the Lord's Prayer. That's the first thing I pray. I just pray through each line and just talk with the Lord. And again, when I get to give us this day our daily bread, I will pray forward everything that I think is going to happen in that day, uh, praying the Lord would go before me. And then after that, I pray Ephesians 6. Paul last week says he prays, prays uh, you know, Psalm 23. That's another great one. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18 is the, the armor of God passage. I just pray that over myself as I go into the day. And then I go into what's called intercessory prayer. It's a fancy word for praying for others. Um, how I do this is I just, I stole this idea from my parents. They had prayer cards. And I, I just know if I get on my phone too much, I'll start getting distracted. I mean, if that's you, that's great. You can prayer request on your phone. But for me, I just have little cards, different categories, family, friends, elders, Gainesville, the nations. I just pray. And I'll ask people for prayer requests. I'll just write them on my prayer card. And I'll just pray through those. Um, and I'll get through all of them. I'll just, you know, pray, pray through a handful of my prayer cards. And then after that, um, <laughs> Okay, side note. Um, one person I always pray for is my wife. <laughs> um, here's a challenge. Uh, if you want to take a step in your prayer life, married people, pray for your spouse every day. Start there. You will be blessed by it, I promise. So I pray uh, for people, and then, I and then I open up God's word. I'm going through the 1002 plan. I started at mid-year last year. I'm in the book of Isaiah right now read through God's word, and then I just meditate and, and just pray a little bit over the things that I've read, and then my day starts. Now, I'll be honest. In that moment, you go, man, that sounds pretty spiritual. <laughs> uh, it's not always magical. I'm usually tired, and I don't always get goosebumps. The heavens don't always open up. I never have. Um, and my mind gets uh, distracted, and I get bored sometimes. And even this morning as I'm praying, my mind's wandering all over the place. But the thing I do is I try to just sit in front of the Lord and let my mind calm down. And I'm telling you, I, I never leave that time regretting it. I always leave that time refreshed. My cup is filled as I start my day. 
So for structure, that's early morning. Those are the things I do. A couple other structured things I do during throughout the day. 1002 alarm. Uh, you know, we're part of the 1002 SALT network. At 1002, we pray that the Harvest is plentiful, workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up more laborers. So I pray uh, for our church and our, our church planning network that we would continue to raise up, the Lord would continue to raise up harvesters, laborers. And then at night, uh, one thing that my wife and I do every night is we just pray together. And that prayer is pretty simple. We just go back through our day and thank the Lord for everything he's done for us. Uh, pray for protection that night and that he'd go before us the next day. That's my structured prayer. Those are things that are pretty consistent. The second box is spontaneous prayer, because that's everything in between. Uh, one of the things that's been helpful for me is I try to just pray through transitions. I just got done with this meeting, so now I'm walking to or driving to my next meeting. So I stop and thank the Lord for what just happened, and I'm praying that he'd go before me in the thing that's about to happen. Another thing I'll do is uh, when somebody shares their heart, or hey, this thing came up in my life, or my mom has cancer, or whatever it is, stop and pray for them. I'll give you a quick side note on this. Um, I really want to be a man of my word. So when somebody says, hey, can you pray for me? Um, if I say, uh, hey, I'm going to be praying for you, I want to mean that, which means I'm, I, if I'm going to say that, I better put that on my prayer card and pray for it until Jesus answers it one way or the other. I think oftentimes what I found myself doing is like, oh, I'll totally pray for that. And two minutes go by and it's gone forever until the next time I see him, like, totally haven't been praying for you. So sorry. So what I try to do is just say, hey, can I stop and pray for you right now? Or if somebody's texted me something or texted me and Casey, typically I'll go, hey, stopping right now to pray. That's a commitment I know I can keep. So I pray for others. When God puts something in my heart, I'll just pray. The goal for me is to just constantly be talking throughout the day in a relationship. Now, that being said, I'll be honest. Um, we've had a baby over the last year or so, and you want to throw a grenade in all of your spiritual rhythms and disciplines, just have a baby. It's a great way to do it. And that, uh, some of the best advice I got right before we had Asher was uh, Stephen Jones, assault director at uh, University of Northern Iowa, told me, he goes, hey, man, just so you know, the first three to six months of having a baby is survival mode. He goes, good luck. And he goes, all your expectations, uh, for, hey, for you future parents, put that in your back pocket, and that one's free. Um, like, good luck having, like, the rhythms that you're used to having. Just get it where you can, you know, as you're tired and you're up at 3 a.m. or whatever. Like, do the best you can, you know, and then you'll find rhythms again. Now that Asher's sleeping through the night and we're settled here in Florida, uh, this sermon honestly has been great for me to get back to the things that I've been doing over the last five to years. So I've been really grateful for this. So that's me. Take whatever's helpful. I also realize as I say all that, there's going to be some of you in this room that think I'm a new Christian or I don't pray much or I have bad prayers. Uh, my prayers aren't good enough. If, if any of those types of thoughts are going through your head, um, let me just blow that up this morning real quick. Oh, like I said, we were home over Iowa, uh, over Christmas break back in Iowa. And it was really sweet because um, my family and Casey's family got to see Asher's first steps. So he had his first steps on Christmas Eve. It was a super special moment, super fun. And, and so what I want you to imagine is, is Asher taking some of his first steps. And, and Casey's kind of here holding his hands, you know, as you hold up and they're holding. And he's standing there and I'm like, you know, five feet away going, hi, bud, come on, come on, you know. And you can about imagine, as, as Casey lets go, him going, bam, you know, and he falls down, falls on his knees. Does it time and time again, one, two, three, it was like typically one, two, three, and then on his face. 
So as he fell, what do you think my response was as his father? Do you think it was, oh, come on. How hard can it be? Just walk like this. How hard? Like, it's easy. This is so frustrating. Figure it out. That wasn't my response. What do you think I did? When he took three steps and fell flat on his face, I acted like he just won the Super Bowl. I was like, whoa, buddy, you know, I, I cheered, I clapped, I scooped him up, I gave him a big hug, I kissed him. So I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. You're doing so great. Christian, this is God's posture towards you as you take steps in your prayer life. There's no such thing as Asher taking bad steps as he's walking towards me as his father. And in the same, th same way, there's no such thing as bad prayers or taking bad steps in your prayer life as you walk towards God. Even if you fall down in your prayer life and you're like, well, I screwed up. I forgot to pray today. God is running towards you, scooping you up and hugging you, going, I love you so much. I am so proud of you. That is the Father's heart towards you. And I say this because... Um, I think a lot of times when we talk about prayer, I think a lot of times people can feel guilty. They go, well, I just don't pray enough. That's like always the thing. It's like, what do you need to grow on? I need to pray more. Um, I've never talked to the person where it's like, um, I actually pray too much. I really need to back off that spiritual discipline. I've not met that person. Um, but for some of you, you go, I, I, you, you talk about prayer and I just feel guilty. And I just want to like shake that out of you this morning. See your heavenly father who's down on one knee going, come on, I'm right here. I'm waiting for you. Walk towards me. That is the picture of God. He loves you. He's waiting for you. So yes, prayer can be intimidating at times. But let's let Richard Foster's words one more time just kind of wash over us. He says this, this seems intimidating, the thought of praying consistently and constantly. But it's important to remember that God always meets us where we are and slowly moves us along into deeper things. He always meets us where we are and slowly moves us along into deeper things. Here, here's my encouragement for you this morning when it comes to prayer. Identify where you're at and take the next step. It's our mission as a church, helping people find their next step with Jesus. For some of you, you go, I've never prayed, and you don't know God as Father. And maybe today your step is to pray for the first time, Jesus, I am all yours. You're my king. And be brought into a royal family where now you have a father who's running towards you looking to scoop you up with love in his eyes. That Maybe that's some of your first step. For others of you, you go, I want to get up five to ten minutes a little early, and a little earlier, and, and, and just find a, a quiet space to be with the Lord. And maybe for some of you, you go, I'm just going to redeem that drive time. I'm going to turn my radio off. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. Or I'm going to redeem that nap time uh, and spend time with the Lord. Whatever it is, we're called to commune with our Father. It's why we pray. But also remember, the reason why we pray, not only is to commune with our Father, which is true, but we also pray because prayer causes things to happen. A couple more quotes. Tim Keller. Prayer is the main way we experience deep change. We must learn to pray. We have to. And Andrew Murray says, the coming revival, revival must begin with a great prayer revival. It is in the closet with the door shut. Salt Church, if we want to see revival in our lives, this church in Gainesville, to the nations, it starts in the secret place. To me, I believe one of the greatest markers of a healthy church is the culture of prayer. 
And that's, so that's one of my prayers for this church, that we would have a culture of fervent prayer, that we would have an army of prayer warriors who are on their knees seeking the Lord in the secret place. The question this morning is, what kind of church are we going to be, Salt Church? You want revival? It starts on our knees. It starts on things like nights of prayer, getting together and seeking the Lord. John Tyson's words, I think, were really helpful. He says, the devil doesn't fear a busy or distracted church. The devil fears a praying church. Prayer cannot be a checkbox or a program or a one-off thing. Prayer has to be the center of everything we do. It needs to be a, become a burning conviction of this church saying, we are going to pray. So I'm committing to you this morning. I will keep getting on my knees in front of the Lord. I'm not going to stop. And our elders are, have that same commitment that we are going to seek the Lord together. Until Jesus comes back, we're going to continue to pray. And our invitation this morning is to join us as we pray for this church and for the kingdom of God. What do you pray? Say, if you want to start, keep it simple. I don't care where, you are, where you're at in your faith walk. I, I believe the Lord's prayer is waiting for you. And this is what we're going to do this morning. We are going to take some time, and I'm going to give you some space to pray through this together. Um, so I'm going to have uh, Indy come on up. The band's going to come up here in a second. And so there will be music playing in the background, but I would love for this room to be filled uh, with the voices of, of you, of, of God's saints. And so you can partner up, you know, groups of two or three. If you were like new this morning, you're like, this is weird. Just hang out. It's cool. That's totally fine. Um, but I'm just going to put up the Lord's prayer behind me. And I just want you to pray through it. And if you, you get to the Lord's prayer and you go, man, I don't know what to say. One of the helpful ways I think of the Lord's prayer is he is worthy. We are needy. If you never know what to pray, just do that. God is worthy of everything, holy, honored. We are needy. Lord, help me. I need your help. Forgive me of my sins. And so just like I did a little bit ago, just kind of pray through those things. Talk to your father. Pray that his name would be made great in Gainesville and beyond and ask for his help uh, this morning. And so take a little bit of time uh, in groups, small groups you want to circle up. My encouragement is instead of just doing one like really long prayer each or something like that, just, you know, be audible be brief, you know, just like, this is what's on my heart and be clear with one another and, and pray multiple times, just shorter prayers. It's okay if you just have moments of silence, uh, but we're gonna spend about five minutes or so. We're gonna pray together as a church. We're gonna pray through the Lord's prayer that the Lord would do a great work in this church. So go ahead and do that. And then in a second, we'll stand and worship together.
washed in vain Was borrowed for three days His body there would not remain Our God has you have this, but I bet that every one of you longs, like I do, to have a great relationship with my dad. I bet even if you don't have it, you long to have a relationship where you could talk and share your whole heart, not be shut down. You could share things that weigh on you and know that he intensely wants to hear from you, that he cares, he thinks about you, he's for you, he loves you delights in you, and you feel comfortable coming, pouring out your whole heart, and it doesn't matter if it's the kind of stuff he, you think he'd be excited about or not, just wants to hear from you. I'm telling you, because of what Jesus has done, you have a father like that in heaven. He loves to hear from you. He wants you to talk with him. He wants you to pour out your heart to him. He cares. Maybe he's like I am. I go and find my friends, and I look for my kids, no one's in trouble. I just want to see where they're at. I just delight in it. Oh, that's got to be fun. Just, I just care. Because I'm telling you, you have a father who cares. 
And we wanna grow in communicating with him in growing intimacy and prayer is part of that. If you don't have a wedding to go to at 7 p.m. tonight, I wanna invite you back here for an hour. Pray with us. If you wanna be prayed for after the service, Jordan and I and Claire will actually be down front. We would love to pray for whatever's on your heart. Let us pray for you. Eight o'clock every Sunday morning, you're thinking, eight, that's really early. We actually have a group that prays downstairs for all kinds of things at our church. We just wanna take a step forward in prayer. I hope this morning helped you to do that. Hope you'll come back at seven this evening and take another step with us. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for coming this morning, Salt Church.